Well, my name is Hayden Ratner. I'm the senior pastor here at Walk Church. I greet you on behalf of my wife, Nina, yeah. our entire team. And yeah, let's go. We're excited to be at church today. And we're going to continue to dive deeper into our sermon series, Help Me to Stand. The reality is the Christian life is not a life lived in a playground, but a battleground. That all of us are called to engage in this war zone living, this battlefield world that we call Christianity by our faith in Christ. And we need to help each other to stand, and not just stand, come on, but to stand firm, amen? To stand firm in who we are as believers in Jesus, as disciples of Jesus. And praise God, we got little disciples learning about Jesus right over there, amen? Yeah, I know we already acknowledged them, but we want to continue to do so. And I'll just say this, you might end up hearing some music coming over that way. Well, just know those little disciples are worshiping over there. They're learning how to stand firm from babies all the way up to fifth grade. And so you might hear some cries, you might hear some screams, but just know they're getting their worship on, all right? So uh, we are thankful for our 412 team, an amazing dream team. My wife, Nina, is such a powerful leader, and she has been working hard to make sure it's excellent and fun and learning about Jesus. So, man, thank you again for 12. Do y'all thing over there. All right, well, let's go ahead and lean in today as we work into this message this morning. I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and we're going to look at a handful of verses today, and we're going to continue where we left off last week. Ephesians chapter 6, let's go ahead and start out in verse 10, and we'll work our way through. Come on, if you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say Let's eat from the word today. Father, help us now as we open up your word to Ephesians 6. Teach us. Speak to us. From the youngest to the oldest in the room today, God, we want to get better. God, we don't want to play church. We want to be the church. We want to learn today. We want to grow. Give us a nugget today. Put a tool in our tool belt, God, that we can use. Help us to have an application from this day that we didn't just be hearers of the word and deceive ourselves, but be doers as well. Holy Spirit, give us eyes that see. Holy Spirit, give us ears that hear and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not my enemy. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, hey, wake up. You're not my enemy. Come on, tell them louder. Say, you're not my enemy. Tell them again, you're not my enemy. If you're online, you're not my enemy. Come on. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor. Everybody say whole armor. Whole armor. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Having fastened on the belt of truth. So grateful for this passage. I've been leaning into it this week, and it's been helping me grow as a disciple. And I pray it does for you as well. I, I reached out to one of our 
church family members here at Walk, Ray V, and some of you guys may know Ray, he usually serves in the back of the house on our media team, but I know he's a fellow WWE fan, okay? I don't, don't at me, I don't want to hear about it, it's okay, agree to disagree, but I said, Ray, go into your belt collection, do you got any WWE belts? He goes, I got the championship belt. And I was like, man, I want to see it, and he, he brought it. This thing is heavy, this thing is, like, Danny, you want to clap, I love it, right? This thing is a full gold, like, heavyweight belt. And I said, Danny, I need a, I said, Ray, I need a belt. I need a belt. And so he brought me the belt. And so I'm, I'm holding the belt today as a representation that church, there's an armor part. As we enter into the different armor parts that we're called to walk in, the armor of God. How about God takes off his armor and gives it to us? The very first thing that God gives us so that we could stand firm against the schemes of the devil is the belt of truth. Now this belt of truth isn't a WWE belt. It's not this type of belt. It's a different type of belt that is strong, is steadfast, is sturdy, and is essential if you're going to stand against the schemes of the devil. Come on, if you're ready, say ready. We're going to talk about this belt here today, and I pray that that you'll walk out of this room with something to apply to your life and that will help you stand against the devil's schemes. Let's put the verse up here on the screen. It says, stand therefore, verse 14, having fastened the belt of truth. I love how the ESV study Bible talks about these verses. It says, Paul portrays Christians as soldiers. I want to just go ahead and continue to make this argument from the Bible so that you are well aware you're not deceived, you're not delusional, you're not lied to. The Bible portrays us as soldiers. Friends, you're a soldier. You're a soldier. You're a soldier. You need to hear it. You're a soldier. You're a soldier. We don't have time to play around. We only have time to stand our ground, right? That there, there's, a, there's a war zone going on around us. And friend, we are viewed as soldiers in the battle line holding fast against the enemy's charge. And we have this command that over four different times in these just couple of passages, God is trying to get us to see, stand. Everybody say stand. stand. Right? He says stand. Then he says, withstand. Then he says, stand firm. And then he says, after you've done all that you could do to stand, stand, therefore, having put on the belt of truth. I love how John Stott says it in his commentary on Ephesians. He says, this fourfold emphasis on the need to stand or withstand shows that the apostles' concern is for Christian stability. Hear me, church. The goal is stability. God is not looking for his church to be tossed by every wind and wave of doctrine. God is not looking for his church to be moved by every trend that hits pop culture. God is not looking for you to be this way on one day, this day on the next day, in church standing on Sunday, completely falling to the enemy's traps on Monday. God is saying, I'm calling you to stability. Now, you might not like stability, you're going to hate being a follower of Jesus. But this is his calling. He says, the need to stand, withstand, 
that the apostles' concern is for Christian stability. Wobbly Christians who have no firm foothold in Christ is an easy prey for the devil. Christians who shake like the reeds and rushes cannot resist the wind when the principalities and powers begin to blow. Paul wants to see Christians so strong and stable that they remain firm even against the devil's wiles and even in the evil day, that is, in a time of special pressure. There's this facade that is looming in America specifically, that the moment you become a follower of Jesus, you give God your yes, you say, I believe in Jesus, everything just poof, magically disappears, and you just go skipping through a field all the way to heaven. Friend, it's a lie. It's a psych. It's what the devil wants you to believe. Right? That, that, that is not the case. In fact, the devil is just saying, some of y'all, I could just, I could just blow on you and you're going to fall. The devil's like, some of you guys are so weak and so flimsy and floppy and unstable, all I got to do is send one of my little demons to come mess with you, and you're done. All I got to do is send one ounce of persecution, and you're done. All I have to do is send one person to get upset with you for your faith in Jesus, and you'll take it all back, and you'll recant your faith, and you'll go do something you probably should have never done in the first place. But if you're standing firm, if you're stable, if you're locked in, if you're ready for battle, and you're around brothers and sisters that are going to help you stand in the battle, you're going to be stable. This is what the verse is talking about. After four different stand moments, Paul says, now stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. I want to talk to you this morning about standing firm in the belt of truth. Standing firm in the belt of truth. There's six different armor parts. Paul's going to get ready to unpack for us in Ephesians chapter 6. He's going to walk through the belt. He's going to talk about the shield. He's going to talk about the breastplate. He's going to talk about the shoes. He's going to talk about the sword. He's going to talk about the helmet. And praise God, we're going to devote a sermon to each one because each one is so key. But don't miss the fact that Paul starts with the belt. There's a reason why Paul says, before I can get to the sword, before I can get to the breastplate, before I can talk to you about the helmet, before I can unpack the shoes of the gospel, you have to make sure you're standing firm in the belt of truth. This, this reality has become a game changer for me. I realized while studying the armor parts that the sword would go inside the belt, that the belt would actually hold the breastplate up. That the belt was connected to the different body parts. If you didn't have the belt of truth on, you had already lost the battle in the first place. The King James Version has an interesting phrase for this reality, and it's been speaking to me. Um, it says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Come on, just go ahead and preach some King James language to your neighbor. Say, you got to gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. I had never used that language before this message. I might not use it again after this message. <laughs> but while we're in this message, gird up your loins. This reality, gird up your loins, has changed me. 
Because I, didn't, I have a context for what it means. I get fasten your belt. I get buckle your belt. But gird up your loins has a deeper spiritual richness to it that I want us to talk about here today. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The Webster's Dictionary says the word gird means to prepare oneself for action. To gird yourself, just to just, in general, gird yourself. To fasten yourself means I'm prepared. Can I just say something real quick? Unpreparedness is not cute. I've found people that say, oh, sorry, I didn't get it done. That's not cute. I didn't work on it. I didn't prepare. I wasn't ready. That's not something to be clapped about. That's something that's going to get you, it's, it's over, right? The devil is going to, he's going to say, this person is not prepared for action. I got a scheme for them. Gird is to prepare oneself for action, to encircle or bind with a flexible band, such as a belt. So it says to gird yourself is to get something that is able to hold you up. The word loins, according to the Oxford Pocket Dictionary, loins means the part of the body on both sides of the spine between the lowest ribs and the hip bones. In other words, it's all it is over here, right? <laughs> Some would maybe call that the private parts of the body. In fact, the Bible uses that language. It's very delicate parts of the body. It's very sensitive parts of the body. And Paul says, if you're going to go to war, you got to make sure that you have the belt of truth, that you have this girdle that you put on that protects you. I once heard a baseball player say, this is the cup of truth, all right? Um, I was like, a little too much information there. But this is an area and the body part that needs protection, that needs covering. And the covering, my friends, for the Christian is truth. I notice in Isaiah chapter 11 that God is referring to this same language when it comes to himself. Isaiah 11:5, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins, right? The NLT translates this verse, he will wear a righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. The same armor that God wore is the same armor he gives to us. The same armor that Isaiah prophesied about, he said when God walks in righteousness and faithfulness, that's what it looks like to walk in truth. Put that on. Fasten yourself with these elements. The girdle. I like how Warren Wearsby says it in his commentary. He says, the girdle held the other parts of the armor together. The truth is the integrating force in the life of the victorious Christian, a man of integrity with a clear conscience, can face the enemy without fear. He's saying, the quickest thing that will take you out is if you don't have covering with the belt. The quickest thing that will hold you up is if you're covered with the belt, is that you have your loins girded. That, see, I think there's too many sagging Christians. Let me talk to you real quick, Jap. Right? There, there, there's too many people that by faith, spiritually, their, their spiritual pants are sagging down. They're walking around. Enemies just like, I got, I got just what you need. Just to, just to hinder your whole ministry, just to hinder your whole plan, just to hinder your whole, because you don't have your belt on. The belt of truth that you can stand on and stand 
firm. This is what God has called us to wear. J. Vernon McGee in his commentary says, to tell you the truth, if the girdle was lost, you lost everything. The garments would fly open, the pants would fall down. What type of battle are you prepared for at that point? I once heard a story about two different militaries getting ready for this battle at stake, and they each encamped in their own specific location. And one of the military groups had this strategic plan in mind. They said, here's what we're going to do. Before the battle comes, at the middle of the night, we're going to sneak over to our enemy's camp. We're going to sneak into their space, and we're just going to cut through all the belts. Because if we can cut the belts, they're not going to be able to stand. What happened is the next day, the, 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 the troops got on all of their gear. The belts were slit in half. So they were fighting, but they were fighting like this, <laughs> trying to hold their pants up. Ultimately, they, they weren't effective. Brother, sister, we got to stand firm with the belt of truth, this girdle of truth. And if, if we don't do that, church... The enemy's going to be attacking us and scheming against us and coming right at us with false truth, lies that aren't true, that are deceptive, and are going to take us out. It's so key. We stand on the true truth. And I want to just encourage everybody in the room. This isn't just a message for men in the room to gird their loins because the men are a part of the action. No, 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 no. This is a co-ed battle. That men need to gird their loins for action, and so do our ladies too. Amen? Amen. Let me remind you of the woman found in Proverbs chapter 31 who's ready for battle. The text says she girded her loins with strength and strengthened her arms. Come on, men, we need you to be men of God, and women, we need you to be women of God. We need to be, have, we need children of God, and we're all going to go ahead and gird our loins. We're all going to go ahead and strap this belt on of truth, and we're going to press on toward the battle together, amen? Where we're able to stand firm together, and we're able to stand on the truth. Hopefully, we have a picture. We have an idea of not only that we need to stand, but we need to stand with this girdle fastened, not loose. In the ancient day, the Roman soldiers would typically go out with this big tunic on. It would go from their neck level all the way to their toes. And this tunic, if you ran in it, it could just be flying all around. And oftentimes, if you ran in a tunic, it would end up tripping you up. You would, you would trip up over all the types of clothing. And so this, this belt, when you put this belt on, you tightened it up, you strapped your sword into it, you tucked your breastplate into it, and you, you even had your shin uh, guards connected to it, right? And then you would make a, a tight knot right there so that you were ready for battle, ready for battle. Christian, this is the, the, the imagery I want us to see. I, you, you're going to leave here, and you got to be ready. You have to be. I need you to help me stand. You need me to help you stand. We're helping each other stand, right? But what are we standing firm in? The belt of, come on, say it with me. The belt of, the belt of, 
the belt of truth. Drop it in the comment section. The belt of truth. Don't put the wrong belt on. God is very specific on what type of belt we're called to stand in. The belt of truth. When it comes to truth, it's important that we all have a, a, the right definition for truth. I remember being in a class in college. It was a class on philosophy. And our philosophy teacher was telling us, nobody knows truth and nobody can know truth. So let's just establish that. And I said, I don't think that my God would agree with that. In fact, right, the philosophers of the, the age that we're looking at would walk all around town with their tunics on, with their scribe in one hand, spitting off these wise riddles and philosophical statements. And the question that everybody would want to answer is, what is truth? Friend, I want to tell you today, you don't have to look any further for truth. I'm about to tell you just three aspects of truth that are found in Scripture that you can stand firm in, that you can fasten in, that you can make war against the enemy with. The first point is this. Stand firm in the truth of Christ. Stand firm in the truth of Christ. Hear me. Truth is a person. There's, uh, there's only ever been, church, one person who's ever came to planet Earth and declared, I am truth. There's been many who have claimed to know truth, have claimed to speak about truth, have believed that in their own truth. But, friend, there's only been one that said, I am truth. Let me go ahead and take you on a casual journey through the Gospel of John, which is one of my favorite Gospels. This Gospel, this biography of Jesus is teaching us about truth. John 1 verse 17, it says, for the law was given through Moses. Say this with me. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That God is saying Jesus is the physical embodiment of grace and truth. When you see Jesus, you see grace. When you see Jesus, you see truth. I wish I could say the same thing about the church. I feel like some aspects of it, does anybody know any Christians that are just all truth? They got the stone cold Steve Austin belt, right? It's just cold. It's just frozen. It's just truth, 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 truth. No grace. Does anybody know any Christians that are just all grace? Hey, I messed up. Well, it's all right, grace. Hey, I, I'm falling into sin again. I know grace. Hey, we should probably not even go to church. I know grace. Hey, who cares? Whatever. It's just grace. And Paul says, should we keep sinning because the grace is so good? And he says, by no means. Grace didn't set you free to sin. It set you free from sin. The more you get closer to grace, the more you get away from sin. But Jesus is the embodiment of grace and truth. If you just say, hey, is Jesus all grace or is he all truth? The answer is yes. What do you mean? Is, is, is he more grace or more truth? Yes. That's it. I love that Jesus is a both and God. We need Jesus because he's the truth. Yes. We need Jesus because he's grace, praise God. Yes. He's both. And so as you stand in him, you stand firm in him, you stand firm in grace, and you stand firm in truth. And I think there's wisdom in asking the Holy Spirit, does this person I'm talking to need more grace or more truth? Jesus is both. John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman. Now, the thing that's so powerful about that is that she's, number one, a different gender. Number two, she's from a different culture. Number three, she's a different ethnicity. Number four, she's deeply sinful. She's everything Jesus is not. 
And Jesus goes, I love to talk with you. I love to build a relationship with you. In fact, I love to share a drink with you. This is a picture of gospel community, different ethnos, different community, different race, different color, different uh, political background. Jesus says, let's talk. Let's get together and have fellowship. She's deeply sinful. She's been married and divorced five different times. She has a sexual addiction or a codependency issue, a trust issue. Jesus says, I'd love to meet with you. And here's what Jesus says to her. He says, the hour is coming. And in fact, Jesus says, it's actually now here. When the true worshipers, I love that. This phrase right here, the true worshipers. This just alludes to me that there's false worshipers. And maybe you could even today say, am I a true worshiper or a false worshiper? No, honestly, ask yourself, and don't think about somebody else. Ask yourself, are you a true worshiper or a false worshiper? And maybe today you would say, well, how do I know? He tells you. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, charisma, and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now, you might say, is Jesus all about the spirit? Is worship all about spirit-filled worship, or is it all about truth-filled worship? You know what the answer is? Yes. Amen. I love you. Three people wanted to clap. I want to clap with you. Man, we need more spirit-filled worship. Yes. We need more truth-filled worship. Yes. Because those are the worshipers Jesus is seeking. Jesus, some of you need to get a little bit more spirit-filled. The Lord might want to loosen you up a little bit. He might want to spray some spiritual WD-40 on your heart. Some of you might be some jumpers. Some of you might just be some praises. Some of you might want to dance. And actually, when the song said dance, you might feel led to do it. Don't worry. We're not looking at you. But Jesus is seeking. He doesn't just say looking. He's seeking. Is there anybody here that's spirit and truth? I wonder if Jesus sometimes like, man, y'all got some great truth. Y'all sing some powerful truth, but I don't feel no spirit. And I wonder if sometimes Jesus goes, man, y'all got spirit in here, but what are y'all singing? Y'all just repeating the same thing over and over again, and it's not even true. It's kind of weird. This word charos, charisma, charismatic, has been hijacked as it's somehow a bad word. Charismatic is not a bad word. Charismatic's a biblical word. Crazymatic is a bad word. Right, when you lose the truth, you divorce truth from your charisma. It's yes, we need both. Do we need all grace or all truth? Yes. Do we need all spirit or all truth? Yes, we need all of that. And guess what? Jesus is all of that. Why is it so important to be tethered to Jesus and abide in Jesus? Because he's all that. He's everything that we need. Jesus tells us that in John chapter 4. Jesus moves on to John chapter 5. He says, you sent John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Who was John the Baptist telling everybody about? Jesus, right? Everybody was like, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, John the Baptist. And one day John said, hey, check this out. There's one coming. I'm preparing his way. When you meet him, he is truth. I'm telling you about truth. He's the truth. 
he bore witness to the truth. Jesus affirms his reality as truth. I love this, this text right here. Maybe you're familiar with it. John 14, 6. I would encourage you, brother, sister, to memorize this verse. And don't say, it's too hard to memorize a verse. You memorize songs. Come on, you memorize TV shows. Don't watch another whole season of The Office or whatever. Memorize a verse. Like, you can do it. Look at the person next to you and say, you can do it. Come on, tell them louder. You can do it. You can do it. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, if you need a password on how to get to heaven, the password is Jesus. Right? If you, like, get up there and Jesus is like, all right, put the password in. And you're like, ah, good works. Eh. Um, I tried really hard. Eh. I promise you I'm a good person. Eh. I went to church every day. Eh. I got baptized when I was eight. Eh. What? It's just Jesus. There's no other way. Here's why this is an important point, point to clap. And maybe not everybody would clap after this moment because I'm going to just make a statement. This is a hard truth to swallow. Because today you might be in here thinking, well, Jesus is just one of the ways. It's not what he said. Jesus is the way to God. He is the truth about God. He is the life about God. Well, isn't that kind of closed-minded? Maybe. It's closed. It's not open for discussion. You're not wise enough. You're not smart enough. You haven't lived long enough. Jesus settled this 2,000 years ago when he died and rose from the grave and said, I am the God-man, and I'm the only way to God. And you might say, well, you know what? I think Jesus may be one of the ways. Or I think, you know what, if you're a good enough person, you know, and you know Jesus, he's, he's a good person. Just know what you're doing right there is you're not walking in the belt of truth. You're walking in some different belt that's not going to help you stand. The belt of truth stands firm on the reality that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah that has made a way for all people to have a direct relationship with God the Father and to enjoy him for eternity. And friend, do not reject that gospel. Accept that gospel. It should awaken and amaze us that, wow, God really wants me. Don't argue and get all, well, what about these people? What about you? Well, hey, there's other people that, you know what? Yeah, they need to hear it. You probably should tell them. Maybe you need to go on a trip. Maybe you need to go share with somebody. Maybe you need to open the mouth that God gave you and use the breath and the words that God gave you. Come on, come on, Sandra, you know what I'm talking about. You got family in Africa sharing the gospel, right? Praise God. I love what I love the, the mission moves forward, right? And it moves forward on the mouths of the church with the belt of truth. How dare us show up with no truth? Well, we're just here to love people. Well, love says love is truth. God is love, and love is truth. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. Love rejoices in the truth. So we need to be anchored in the truth. Now, what happens next in the Gospel of John, right? Jesus says, and guess what, you guys? I'm about to go away. 
And Peter says, Jesus, you just told us you're the way, the truth, and the life, and now you're about to leave? Well, how are we going to know the truth if you leave? You know what Jesus says? Let me show it to you in John chapter 16. He says, well, the spirit of truth is going to come. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into, say it with me, all the truth. Jesus says the spirit is just going to confirm everything that we've been doing for the past three years. That the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He's taking us deeper into truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus is affirming and confirming that he is the truth, his spirit is the truth, the Father is the truth. The closer you get to Jesus, you get the closer, the closer you get to truth. One more, one more verse from the Gospel of John that I want to open our eyes to, because this was such a powerful moment, I want to take you into it. Jesus, now on the last night of his life, is taken into the room of Pontius Pilate, the most important person in the Roman Empire on that day would have been Pontius Pilate. And he's standing in front of the most important person to ever walk this earth, Jesus Christ. And here's what happens. Then Pilate said to him, so you're a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Everybody should lean in. What's Jesus' purpose? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus says, look, this truth deal, this belt of truth, this is a big deal. The devil would love to deceive. What did he deceive Eve with? Just change the truth just a little bit. Let me just subtly lie just enough to change you for eternity. And the, the devil's crafty. I, I, I have fond memories of different people coming to my door, knocking. In fact, I'll just go ahead and call one of them out, the Jehovah's Witness. False religious claim when it comes to truth. But listen to this, church. If you don't have your belt on, first question, I open the door. It's my door sound, all right? Two people standing in front of my door. Not even a hello my name is. I open the door, a person looks right into my eyes and says, do you want to know the truth? So I don't even know your name. But I said, do you want to know the truth? And I said, are we about to have, because I got a belt on. How, I hope I don't open that door and not have my belt on that day. Because these guys are robotically equipped to go there with you. In their book. Come on. But it was funny when I said, because I can share my truth, right? If we're going to share truths, we, let's do truths. And they said, man, we do not have a play for that one. Um, what are we supposed to do when somebody says they have the truth? So let's, are, are we going to do this or not? And you know what? They, let's go to another house. Somebody who doesn't have the belt of truth on. 
Somebody who's not standing firm in the truth. And when I minister to people like that, I don't minister from a place of wavering. I minister from a place of authority. I said, do you want to know the truth? Because I love to share the truth with you. I love to get you connected in a real church. I love for you to receive the real gospel. I love for you to get to know Jesus because he loves you. He died for you. He rose for you. Let's talk about this. Come on, let's go deeper. Come on, let's build right now. Let's go. Can we do this? You came to my house. Come on, let's do this. Right? Come on. They were like, whoa, 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 time out. Time out. We are not doing this. All right. It's just how the enemy works. We'll go find somebody who doesn't have the belt. I'm so glad. Can I just confess something to you, church? I'm so glad that when I was a freshman in college, the brother who came up to my lunch table at the cafeteria happened to be of the Christian faith because I was on a journey and I was even in a season of seeking. I could have been open to anything. I'm grateful for my Jewish roots and I'm grateful for my praying mom, but I needed to complete that faith. And I wasn't quite sure what the next destination was, and I'm grateful that somebody handed me a book of truth and I was able to test it and get to know Jesus who is the truth. And he was able to seal my conviction in my heart with truth. So I can stand today and say, this is the truth, church. We need to have this belt on. Let me give you the second point, jumping off of that right there. Stand firm in Christ. He's the truth. The second point is stand firm in the truth of the word. Church, listen to me. This book right here. Oh, man, y'all ain't hearing me. This book right here. I've never met a powerful man or woman of God who had a profound impact and legacy on the Christian faith that didn't have a contagious love for this book. That this word is not a dead book. This is an alive book. This is spiritually active, and it says it's sharper than a two-edged sword piercing through the bones of our flesh, right through the, 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 the marrow, even to the depths of the heart. Friend, we got to get back in this book. You have time. You got to make time. And maybe for some of you, it looks like this, getting the Bible app on your phone where it will send you the verse of the day in the morning. But if I'm honest, I tend to forget the verse of the day by lunchtime. I need to have lunch too. I'm grateful for that little butter croissant in the morning. But when can we get some more food? When can we have an evening meal with the word? Amen. David in Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says, I meditate on your word day and night. I love scripture memorization because you can talk and hear from God all day long. For example, Ephesians 6, I've recently challenged our Walk Church staff to memorize Ephesians 6, 10, all the way, finish the chapter if we can, right? But start in verse 10. Here's what it says. It says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, right? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against every ruler and authority and cosmic power of this evil age, right? right? 
and having then stand therefore, withstand the enemy, then stand therefore, fastening the belt of truth. I need to be repeating these words on repeat, church, because I need it. Jesus walked in the Word. How many times did you see Jesus quote Scripture? How many times did he pull out a Bible? It's in him. Now, he's a little different, but learn from him, all right? He is the Word. He is the truth, right? But he's modeling for us that how much more do we need the Word? This Word is truth. Again, John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Check this out. This is going to be a word for somebody. I believe it to be true. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. He told the, the, there's Jewish people who said Jesus is their Messiah. He said, if you abide in my word, the word abide, everybody say abide. abide. The word abide is another word for remain. If you remain in my word, what if you rem, stay in it. This past week, I've been reading through the book of Exodus and I'm in the last half of the book and there's some stuff that just don't make sense. And so I read half of the chapter, and then I was like, all right, I'll come back to it at some point. I went to lunch, and then I came back, and I was ready to jump into some different things, and the Lord was like, I've been waiting for you to finish this chapter. You need to remain in this book. I just felt convicted. I had to finish it, right? God wanted me to abide deeper in his word and take me to different places. And I actually was able to reference the conversation I had with some people from that chapter. God wanted to teach me something. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. There are some people that claim Jesus, but they're not disciples. Jesus says, you can either be a fake disciple or a true disciple. Which one is it? How do you know? Are you abiding in the word? What type of relationship do you have with God's word? Are y'all acquaintances? We say hello to each other here and there. We even open up on Sundays. Or are you guys married to the word? Right? You will know the truth if you abide in the word. And the truth, come on, say it with me, will set you free. Oh, we can do better than that. And the truth will set you free. Let me go ahead and expose one of the lies of Satan. Satan would love to deceive you that the more you get closer, the, the, the more passionate you get to the truth, the more hungry you are for truth, the more you are talking about the truth, living out the truth, walking in the truth, standing firm in the belt of truth, the more boring and, 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 and zapping your life will be. If you really live this Christian thing out, it's going to be like, oh, man, this thing is weak. It's a lie. The truth will set you free. The truth actually unlocks freedom in you. I would even go as far to say this. This is convicting. This is challenging. If you're ready, come on, put your belt on. Put your belt on. Don't go. You can't leave. Put belt on, right? God might say something to you today in this sermon right now, and he might say, I'm ready for you to start telling the truth. uh, This might not be for everybody. It might be for somebody. I'm ready for you to tell the truth. To your spouse. I'm ready for you to tell the truth to your boss. I'm ready for you to tell the truth to yourself. I'm ready to tell the truth to your charge group leader or pastor or facilitator. I'm ready for you to start walking in the truth. And right now you're squirming in your heart because you're saying, if I am truthful, it's going to lock me up. And the truth is it's going to set you free. The truth 
unlocks freedom. You don't need to be in the trenches with somebody who's not truthful. That's not free. The truth will set you free. Now, we're not called to hit people with the truth with a hammer. Find that verse. In fact, the, ver- the scriptures t- tell us to, to communicate the truth with love and respect. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always prepared, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you believe in, but do so with respect and gentleness. So we're not talking about harsh truth shaming. We're talking about loving people enough to even share the truth with them. Loving people enough to say, you know, I wasn't truthful. And this is going to hurt, but it's going to set us free. You sharing the truth might actually mean you might have to go do something difficult, challenging. But at least you go free. The truth might even put you in jail, but you'll be free in jail. If you walk in truth, at least you're free. Jesus says, only you know what that means for your life. But that's what it looks like to wear the belt of truth. If you got me, say, I got you. I want to just give you a couple prayers that I pray would be helpful before we close up this message today. And we're going to post these on social media. If you want to recap them, I'm just going to read them quickly. But I noticed that David in the Bible was a lot like me and you. Deeply sinful, but with great potential, right? David, deeply, deeply sinful, especially sexually sinful. We see his sin on display. Praise God, there's not a book in the Bible with all our names, because that would be challenging, right? David actually has one, but we also get some insight information into David's journal. And throughout David's journal, I noticed that he's praying prayers, asking God, help me to walk in truth. Lead me in truth. Take me deeper into truth. Let me show you a couple of them. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Psalm 25, verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Psalm 43, verse 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Psalm 86, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Come on, would you just say this verse with me out loud? Ready? One, two, three. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. That's a prayer to pray every single day. David affirms this in Psalm 119, verse 160. He says, the sum of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous rules endures forever. God, help us to be people of truth. Amen. The truth is a person, it's Jesus. The truth is a book, the Bible. If you're going to stand firm in the belt of truth, you got to have both. You can't say, man, I love Jesus. I just don't really like the Bible. You can't say, I love the Bible. I just don't really like the Jesus guy. The answer is yes. They're both on display. Let me give you the third and final point, and we're done. 
stand firm in the truth of your integrity. This point is helpful and necessary here. Here's why. Because many scholars and commentators, when they write on Ephesians 6.14, the belt of truth, will tell you that is, is, is the belt of truth standing firm in the gospel, standing firm in Jesus, because he's truth, standing firm in the word, because the word is truth, or is it more practical, truth in, as far as integrity, walking in truth? And the answer? Yes. The answer's both. That there's, there's room for both answers to be true. But I wanted to start with the gospel in Christ and the word, because if you miss those two things, you miss everything. Right, the, the sword, I'll give you a preview. The sword on the armor stands for the word of God. But the sword goes into the belt. So if you don't have no belt, you can't put your sword anywhere. Right? You need both, the sword and the belt of truth. Standing firm in the truth of your integrity. David had a son, his name was Solomon. Solomon went on to write this awesome book in the Bible called Proverbs. He says in Proverbs 12, he says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. That those lies are just for a moment. Jesus, in fact, tells us, he says, Everything that's hidden in the dark, I will expose in the light. Friend, I'd rather just expose it for Jesus. <laughs> like, you never know when Jesus is going to expose it. No timetable on that. It could be a bad day really quick for you. You might as well just start walking in the truth now. Just start bringing stuff in the dark to light. Then you're free. The truth will set you free. Proverbs 14, verse 25. A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy truth and do not sell it. By wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The proverb writer is saying, be firm in the truth. Buy it. Stand on it. Hold it. Don't give it away. Well, give it away, but don't give it away so you don't have it. Share it. Share it. Don't give it away, but share it. Buy truth and do not sell it because the truth will set you free. I love verse 21 in chapter 2. It says, for the upright will inhabit the land. And those with integrity will remain in it. This verse has been speaking to me. I read through the book of Proverbs every month. Right, This chapter number two always speaks right to me. It says the upright will inhabit the land. Those with integrity will remain in it. Church, we are praying for a piece of land. Y'all yeah. know that. This, we're, we're taking these things literal. Yeah. I'm telling our team, you got to have integrity. You have to walk in truth. It's that crucial. There's grace and truth, no doubt, but don't lie. Walk in integrity, it means everything. The upright are going to inhabit the land that God gives us. It's not that we're necessarily trying to work to earn something. That's not the gospel. But there's principles in the Proverbs that are true. God says, if you have a integrity, I can trust you with it. If you have integrity with little, I can give you more on your plate. Maybe that's just where you need to start today. Where do I start with the belt of truth? Start being honest. Be honest with the people closest to you. You don't got to necessarily go on social media and start blasting everything. But the people that are close to you that you can trust, that you love, that you live with maybe, 
are the people that you need to be truthful with, even if it hurts. And commit to being Christian-like, helping somebody stand if they share something that is challenging and difficult to hear. Commit to loving them and wrapping your arm around them. What does Jesus tell the adulterous woman in John 8 when she was caught in the act of adultery? That's bizarre. They drag her to Jesus, and Jesus says, all y'all are sinful. Throw the first stone. Who's not? They all are like, the oldest people drop the stones first, right? They're like, we got a lot of sin. And everybody else slowly leaves, and here's what Jesus says. He says, neither do I condemn you, but stop sinning. John chapter 5, Jesus heals a man at the pool of Bethsaida. He wanted to get pushed in the pool, but nobody was there to push him in. Jesus comes and heals him. He's now able to walk. Jesus goes and meets him in the town, and he says, yo, I didn't heal you to go back to the strip club. I healed you so you could walk in holiness. I healed you so that you could be free. Don't go back to the things that are going to enslave you and in bondage you. Walk in freedom. Walk in holiness. Stand firm in the truth of your integrity. Ephesians 4, 25, if we look back a chapter or two ago, it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Amen? Let us speak the truth. Let's put away falsehoods, all right? Can we do it, church? If you got to say, I got it. Let's commit, church. Let's just say, you know what, we're going to put away falsehoods. My truth could potentially be offensive, but listen, I'd rather you be truthful and offend me than lie to me and be fake. Let's stop living lies. Let's start living truth and standing firm in it. I can even ask Vashon, you can come up. We're going to get ready to close. You can play us out, and we'll be ready to conclude this time of worship today. But as I was thinking about this reality, I just began to realize This is such a big deal for us, church. And my prayer for us is simply that we would live out that verse, that we would walk in freedom. To stand firm in truth is to stand firm in freedom. Our mission at Walk Church, we say we exist to free people to walk in Jesus, to walk in truth. Something God put on my heart as I was studying this is you have to be willing to tell on yourself. Did you catch that? Come on, everybody, let me see your eyes. Some of you are like, I ain't looking, I ain't looking. Come on, you got to be willing to tell on yourself. Church, you got to be willing to tell on yourself. I learned this principle, this might sound a little bizarre, from the rapper Eminem. Now, before I get an email, I'm not saying I condone all of Eminem's lyrics. I'm not saying that you should listen to his music, but I do want to pull an illustration from his life. Eminem made a movie many years ago called Eight Mile, and Eight Mile is a movie that's documenting kind of his life in a a narrative way and how he grew up in the battle rap scene, and when you do battle rap, you you go against somebody. In In a way, you have an enemy on the other side of the battle. Well, let me just give the movie away a little bit. If you haven't seen it by now, come on, all right? No, you can go watch it for yourself. I'm just going to give you a spoiler alert, right? As Eminem prepares for his final battle in the movie, he's sitting there and he's like in this locker room and it's almost like he has writer's block. And he's like, I'm about to go up against the best battle rap enemy. What do I even say? 
And what Eminem does in that moment is he just says, you know what? I'm just going to tell on myself. And what he does in that final rap is he says, check this out. Here's the truth about me. Here's the truth about my mom. Here's the truth about my past. Here's the truth about my brokenness. Here's the truth about all that. And finally, when he's done, the guy who he's about to, the enemy says, well, dang, I don't even got anything else to hit him with. He did it himself. I don't have nothing to attack this guy with because he was able to expose the truth but still stand firm. One of the best ways to defeat the enemy is just be truthful. Because the devil is the father of lies, wants to get you to believe a lie and keep a lie and then die in a lie. But the minute you walk in truth is the minute you walk in freedom. Be okay with telling on yourself. Be okay with not being okay. But don't stay that way. Take a step. Amen. Take a step. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We need you. We have you. God, help us to today stand firm wearing the belt of truth. Help us to gird our loins. Help us to lock in, preparing ourselves for battle. Jesus, I pray for each individual here right now. God, I pray you would help them stand. Help them stand on your word. Help them to stand in truth. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus today as the truth, I pray today would be your day to get to know him. Come on, let's just pray this prayer together, church. Just say, Jesus, right now, on March 7th, I believe you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. I need you. Strengthen me. I believe in you. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to turn away from all sin. Help me to walk forward in victory, free, new in you. One more time, say, Jesus, help me to stand firm in the belt of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen.